guys, welcome to the Turquoise Game Boys podcast, Game. episode number two. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined by two of my best friends here, Caleb and Alex. Want to say hi, guys? I am Caleb. I am not. I am not Alex. I am not Caleb. And together, we're neither of each other. We're Voltron. Together, we disassemble. Cool. Um, so we're going to talk about, uh, video game. Um, you guys want to talk about the game? The game. This game. What a game. Uh, it is about a teenage boy who is a thief and he steals a magic sword and flees to a forbidden kingdom to talk to a man who is also a woman who is also a hole in the ceiling and uh he he just really wants to bring his dead girlfriend back to life um and i mean you probably guessed it by now the game is called the shadow of the colossus uh it was quite the hit off the ps2 uh, this the playstation home entertainment uh non-nintendo system by sony um they came out with a game <laughs> called shadow of the colossus uh, it is definitely by far one of my all-time favorites. It's usually my first game I say if anybody had just asked that like generic question of like, what is your favorite game? Uh, that's usually my go-to. Um, I know I personally feel very strongly on that. I know that might not be the same case for you guys. Uh, so I apologize in advance for my uh spasms of this game <laughs> i don't i don't think you're the only one you look at this game's metacritic scores you look at this game's reviews and i mean it's it's 90s 95s 100s i mean it's it's one of the most beloved games of i think the 2000s probably yeah and even even being that uh with it i mean i personally feel as if it's a game that still holds up even the original uh, version of it they i know that they came out uh with a hd remaster of it for ps3 which is essentially just like a slight slight upscaling of like graphics and textures with uh you know just like a ps3 port and then uh only just a few years ago they did uh like a remaster for the ps4 and uh and that was by Blue Point Games, who uh, did the Demon Souls one too. They've got a good track record. Yeah. So like, and and that was like, I mean, actually quite a significant difference in uh, graphical quality, um, with both uh, both like textures, lighting, and then like overall frame rate. You know, that was something that uh, it didn't really make or break a lot of games back then, but it was a lot of times like a deciding factor. And, um, and that's actually a pretty important point with this game is I remember, like, I remember researching this game, like, extensively before it even came out, just because I thought it was so cool, the idea of these, like, gigantic, colossal monsters, and you're just, like, this, like, teenage boy that's to fight them. Um, so I, like, looked into it heavily, and I remember before it even coming out, they were talking about, uh from somebody like testing it i i i forget who exactly 
they're saying how that at times the game would suffer from a little bit of like uh like kind of like frame rate spikes of where it would get a little choppy at bits but the creator himself said that that was like a decision that he felt he had to make he didn't want to sacrifice the like qual like the overall quality of the game just to have like slightly better frame rate which when you're talking about this dude uh who made the game and uh what was his name again i always uh fumito uh ida uda Yuda. i'm probably butchering that but uh this man he pretty much he came at this with like a complete vision of almost being a work of art uh he had done it in the past and i'm sure we'll bring up that game in a bit but uh first and foremost this game as a whole is sort of just like an art piece uh being with its minimal dialogue it's like world building with just pure landscapes and scenery and i think a total of like of like five cutscenes that might actually like progress the story um it, it's really wild and I, I know it's something that alex has like pointed out before uh with like how simple the game is but still it carries this heavy mood yeah, along with I wanna it. Yeah, I want to ask, is it possible for a game to be so simple that it becomes insanely deep and complex? I mean, there's there's one thing that the game does direction-wise to tell you where to go, and that's the light that you can shine off your sword. Other than that, you have no idea what's happening, uh, where you're supposed to go, anything like that. So it's it's a full journey on its own, just figuring out what to do. That of itself, that in and of itself, is just wild to me that they made something so uh, capturing and intriguing, deep even, uh, off of that alone. Yeah, like being as if like the first cutscene I think is like the longest cutscene until the very end of the game, and even that, like the cutscene itself is essentially just uh, to set the overall tone of the game it's to kind of just introduce this like yeah this very simplistic story of this character named wander uh you know i was goofing before about this boy stealing a magical sword i mean that's essentially what he does is like the characters aren't that complex the story doesn't seem too complex at first it's just kind of rather simple it's somebody that is going through these extreme lengths to bring a loved one back to life uh it sets that tone like right away and after doing so, after setting this, like, tone of, like, the world and pretty much precisely what you need to do in order to obtain the, this, like, ultimate goal of reviving this loved one, you're just left free from that moment on of you kind of have to, you kind of have to figure it out a little bit. There's minimal HUD, minimal direction. You're left to just kind of go off and uh, discover what you're supposed to do. You kind of move the game forward yourself. Like you, I feel like it's one of those games where I really felt like I was like, wow, I'm actually kind of making the story what it is like for yourself. Like you, like you said, you have that cutscene that sets up right. You introduce your three main characters, and from that point on, there's uh there's the Lord Iman. Um, subplot where he's trying to stop wander and you get the sense that maybe he knows a little bit more uh the shaman mm. guy but uh you set up your three main characters and that's it that's 
the and lot of one it. of the characters being um, a horse. Correct. Well, I guess no, maybe no, four no. I would say four characters. Yeah, because your, your horse is character. Your horse is considered a character in this game, and uh, and that was something that's like pretty damn cool. I, I remember. I mean, this is before you know, like Red Dead Redemption, where it's like you could whistle for your horse, and he comes. Like no matter where he is, his name's Agro. And something that's like really cool is like if he's really far away, he does like one of those like double pinky and mouth like whistles, like a freaking cowboy like yeehaw moment he comes barreling towards you it, like if you keep spamming it like he'll go from like whistling to like screaming his name then yelling and as he gets closer to you to like the, the point where you're basically touching him he pretty much just like gently and like like aggro aggro like and it's like it's sweet like how there's this like kind of dynamic just in how he calls for his horse and that his horse is always like readily available uh to him with some of the absolute wild shit he gets this horse into as well i think the only time you're without the horse is like during a certain colossi fight right like uh the underwater one i think there's like a total of three yeah that you do not have the horse and that's three out of 16 i believe so I mean I guess uh you know I want to hear I want to hear a little bit of Ethan's thoughts on the game as well because like I, I'm not sure if like have you have you ever beaten the game Ethan? Yeah, so I'm probably coming at this from a completely different standpoint than uh, the both of you are. I really have never played this game till when the when the PS4 came mm-hmm. version came out. I bought it and played it for a little bit, and by a little bit I mean probably like 30 minutes to an hour. The game did not click with me at all. And picking it back up to kind of refresh myself <laughs> before recording. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Now we're, now we're um, dismissed. Good night, everybody. We made it to two episodes, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's over. But I think I think it has a lot to offer in general. Like, not even even if I don't click with it, I think that it off. You know, from the time that it came out, that there's a lot of different features and characteristics that you see in a lot of games nowadays that i'm sure have borrowed from shadow of the colossus so i mean i will say like that's what's kind of crazy about this game i will if you don't if it doesn't grasp you within that first 30 minutes and yeah then it probably isn't the game for you because like all in all um I think a lot of it too is that the time that I'm playing it, uh, you know, playing it in yeah. 2021 versus playing it when it first came out, I'm sure is a completely different experience. Yeah, you didn't have yeah. quite this this large, vast uh, focus that we have on individual controls in games, and you know, the pickiness in the the PC gaming world. Um, you yeah. know, you had your PS2 controller, and you're probably a lot younger. You had the ability to. Screw it, I'll learn it. What's what's the worst that could happen? I'll just spend some time and get mm. used to it. Yeah, I mean, so uh, before we started recording, I mean, me and Alex were kind of like speaking about how, I mean, the first time you play through this game is going to be the longest that you, the longest amount of time that you spend playing it. Like if you are going from beginning to the very end and like that, the amount of time can really range. It just depends on like, how much you personally want to like soak in the environment, like kind of look at all the like interesting clues that 
the lands and shrines and like even the colossi themselves like have to offer um or like you might just straight up have the difficulty of even finding them yeah i'm glad that you that you mentioned that caleb i think that the the environment in this game is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. i mean granted i'm playing i played it through on the the playstation 4 like the remake of it but my god i mean some of the these like landscapes and it does this weird thing where it kind of pans out into like this like wide uh view we can kind of see like a huge like aspect of the landscape it's very cinematic yeah and it just it's so so much fun to just kind of go through these like large areas and just kind of look in the huge like mountain landscapes in the background and just take it it's a very very pretty game but my problem with it is that there's nothing in this world to like see it's all just well there are lizards um there's lizards there's some li- lizards and <laughs> and, and some birds those so, are the only animals like, or any see, living this things is where I, I can get like uh this is where i can get like really heated with it though because they're <sighs> yeah because i don't want to get too far off topic of talking about all the other games like this land that you are like adventuring in is straight up supposed to be like uninhabited like there is supposed to be no other like intelligent life like living here it's called like the forbidden lands and it's like and that's why they like really try to do that that's why they do like the cinematic like pan like they pan out uh, like while you're like going across this like uh you know like natural bridge formation it pans out and you're just like wow you're looking at the scenery and it's like you are just you look now look like an ant you know amongst like how vast this land is but and as like you reach these locations by which you shine your sword it reflects the light into like a beam as if it's like a like you know kind of compass style almost like sun like using a sundial in a way um where it will point you towards the next colossus you need to fight uh but like even when a, and then you arrive there and a lot of these are if when you pay attention most of them do look like uh temples that were once used or served like specific purposes or like a coliseum or like it used to be some sort of civilization that is just long 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 dead and gone nobody has been here and i mean i can get more into like like how alex mentioned before the the complexity of the stories even though it's very simple it's more so through the discovery of secrets and the lore and some of the other works that uh, Team Ico has uh, created, like as to why this land is barren, um, who this main entity is that is like sending you on this quest and such. Yeah, I wanted to bring up, I'm going to straddle the line because I'm in between you and I'm in between Ethan, right? I, I do love the game. I think it is an expertly done game. I think it's art. I'll, I'll get into that fight with anyone that video games can be art, and this will be one of my, you know, top Yeah, examples. I would say if video games are art, this is definitely, like, the, like, actual art. Like, playing, it's like Correct. playing an art piece, you know, where it's like, obviously, most games are considered art, you know, they have artwork, I mean, even just, like, dating back to some of the oldest games, and I mean, like, look at Final Fantasy, like, the, the, some of the dumb little pixelated character sprites are based off of some of the most beautiful watercolor paintings you've ever yeah, seen. Um, but 
a mono like this, monster. Yeah. But this game, just as a whole, yeah, it's like playing like a piece, like a little art piece, like a painting. You're playing one. But then, you know, you have you have this game. It's art, world design uh, versus game design. I kind of want to get into that, but we'll push that back. It is a boss rush. It is front to back, 16 bosses, nothing else in the game. And that's fun for a lot of people, maybe not everyone. And I think what happens is, in Ethan's case, that's just not enjoyable to him. He wants worlds with a little bit more to him. And I think that's minimalist versus maximalist. <laughs> maximalist? That's not a word. But <laughs> um, but you you get what I'm but saying. 16 bosses, though. They're not just like, oh, I'm walking in and I'm just like going to tailspin Bowser off an edge. You are fighting something that is so significantly larger. And especially at the time. I mean, I guess, like, I think... I can't remember if God of War had been out yet at that time. No, no it yeah. Hadn't. So it was like, dude, I felt like it was one of the first games where it's like, I am going against an enemy that is so big that I have to climb it as if I'm climbing like a cliff side just so I can get up and stab it in its arm or stab it in its head. Like you can't just, you're not hopping around running towards it, like swiping your sword at it it's gonna do nothing like it, it they're the size of skyscrapers some of them and i feel that's where it's like yeah it's just comprised of 16 main bosses each one i mean it can vary in the amount of time it takes you to do because each one is almost can almost be considered a, a platforming puzzle i mean at its very core that's what the gameplay is when you are fighting these is more so this like kind of action adventure like platforming puzzle you know right. that you have to like do a series of things in order to figure it out and like it's just kind of trial and error until you get it right yeah i think that the bosses are awesome like like you said i with the the, the whole like scale of them and how big they are and the weird like climbing mechanic how you have to like hold the trigger button to kind of hold on and then kind of shimmy up as you go and kind of trying to find like the weakness point where you can kind of stab your sword All you know into strength. i think it's so cool it's awesome. Girl, uh, the thing, some of the things that frustrated me is when you, how hard can you hold circle? Yeah, <laughs> or like when you're climbing up and like you know where you have to go, but don't know necessarily, or like can't quite get up there before he kind of shakes you down or whatnot, and you kind of and just are stuck in this perpetual loop of just climbing up and getting shaken off before you can get up is a. Uh, a little annoying not gonna lie maybe i'm just bad i mean the first the, like, the very first so the very first one that you fight uh which the developer like so it's like this game has such a fandom and cult following that uh fans of the game like through the wiki have like given the colossi like act like names um the first one they like the fan name is valis but like the developer's name is just called minotaur a because the colossus the colossus or colossi they each almost like resemble some form of like animal like figure, um, but they're not legitimate like 
beings, I guess you'd say, like they they're uh, upon further inspection, like they're made out of like moss and stone, grass, and the, they feel like these living, breathing organisms. Very golem esque. Yeah, you know, like but even more detailed than just like a stone golem. Like right. they and they each have their own. It's like they each have their very specific like style and shape, but then are also so cohesive with the designs as well of like the balance of like mixture of stone and grass and like almost as if they were made from the environment around them um and the first one being this minotaur shaped creature that it's like you approach him he's massive but he not nowhere near close to as big as some of as they get um he's got a giant club he's kind of just doing his own thing and this is like the one and only time that this spirit named Dorman is kind of like guiding you into like uh you need to attack this colossus like this is the first one you need to strike down if you kill all 16 of them i'll bring your girlfriend back to life kind of deal and if you pay attention like he tells you what to do in a very non like hand holding way I guess you'd say, because like you have a bow and arrow, you have your horse. There are spots on the Colossus that will glow, like these sigils that will glow by shining your sword on them. Those are weak points. And then there's like minor and major sigils. The minor ones are just to inflict a little bit of damage. And usually when you do inflict that little bit of damage, they react in a very like specific way. Um, so with this Minotaur, you, you ride up, uh, upon him. He just keeps walking. He's like straight up just ignoring you. You can swing your sword at him all you want. He's just going to keep on walking. But if you shine your sword at like, I think like the back of his leg, uh, it starts to glow a little sigil. And if you shoot an arrow at that spot, he then, you know, takes a knee that then there's your opportunity. You're like one and only time to like jump onto him, like from your horse you can grab onto his hair and climb all over his hair however you want but then you make it up to his waistband and there's like this weird almost cathedral like balcony hanging off his back which is just like really cool and even though he's moving and thrashing about that might be your little area to like rest for a moment regain your stamina for like your grip strength and plan how you're gonna get to his head now like do you climb up the back of his shoulder do you need to climb up like around his belly up to the front of him the first time you play it uh, you kind of just have to figure that out and i guess i'm just i'm somebody that really enjoys that type of gameplay of kind of discovering things for yourself and then once you figure it out it's such an ultimate like wow that was so the satisfaction from defeating this like enemy or solving this puzzle you know like much like other like a lot of other games where there's like puzzles involved that like you know you didn't look up how to do it you through like context clues and what you have available to you you figured it out yourself because like i said before you, it's very minimal in the fact that you have a bow and arrow a horse and a sword and specifically he has stolen the sword he doesn't really even know how to use the sword so when he's swinging it around, he swings it around very crude. Like he can only really like slash back and forth and he struggles to do so. So it's like you're only utilizing like a very few and finite amount of resources to accomplish each Colossus. And I just think it's, I personally think it's brilliant, yeah. but 
I can see where it's annoying to others. Would you say it's a colossal task? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. A uh, colossal task, Mr. Krabs! I think the thing that's annoying to me is that it's not always clear what you can climb on, and a lot of that is kind of just like a trial and error of like trying to figure out what you can kind of grip onto and climb up, you know, besides like the like grassy fur thing, like spots that they have on them. There's a, there's a few spots things where i kind of felt like looked like i should have been able to climb on to and ended up falling to my death i can disagree to your disagreement though because it's like even before you fight that guy they purposely make you scale this like mountainside because <laughs> like i said each colossus is kind of almost made out of its surroundings and it's like they make you climb up like it's like oh you can grab and climb up this mossy hillside and then when you reach this, like, cathedral ledge, you can, like, you know, scale across it, you know, like, monkey bars. And it's like, oh, hold up. This Colossus I'm fighting has each of those elements, like, on it. It's just, like, if I kind of combine everything I did to just, like, get to the Colossus, you know, maybe I can figure it out. And I think that's cool because it's, like, there isn't really, like, a true tutorial or, like, showing you how, like, how to do it. It's just, like, you either are doing it or you're not doing it. But that that's also just how this guy makes his games. The, the second one I thought was a hell of a lot more fun than the first Colossus. And oh, like you yeah, said, how, yeah. how simplistic it is. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really cool to kind of show up and be like, okay, I've got three things I can do. I can either shine my sword, I can shoot an arrow, or cl- like climb. Like those are like the three that you got. Mm-hmm. And to kind of basically kind of go like cycle through those three, like doesn't seem that overwhelming when you show up and just mm-hmm. get into the thick of it compared to some games when you have a whole like tool set and you might not even show up with the correct item you need and kind of go from there. Like, you know that you have everything that you need to kill them. You just got to figure out the correct order. Yeah, there's no crafting, no health potions, no, no really health for you to worry about. I can't remember if you actually, I think you have a health bar actually. It's only like it only ever pops up when you get like hurt, which most of the time, if you're at the top of a colossus or like clinging onto its arm and it like throws you against the wall, like you're for the most part done, but sometimes surprisingly not. But then there are some, like, like I said, like how you found the second one more interesting. The third one, um, which the devs call uh, just Knight and fans have named Gaius, it, he is like, like I said, very, very knight like. Anyway, and that's one of like I feel whenever I think of Shadow of the Colossus, one of my most memorable because it gets even more intricate. Like, uh, it's like you learned how to shoot the back of the leg of the Minotaur so he kneels down. Then the second one, which is like that mammoth guy, uh, you pretty much you can't scale his legs at all, and he's moving around like somewhat a little more at a quicker pace. You don't know what to do. Then you realize he's got, you know, these glowing spots on the bottom of his hooves and you have to time it just right to, like, hit the bottom of his hooves to make him stop so you can climb him. Where it's like the knight being, he's kind of, kind of almost like the first aggressive colossus you encounter. Because, like I said, some of them are just not aggressive. They're just these, like, beings that are meant to be here. And later I'll go into exactly what these colossus are. But they're essentially these beings that are just roaming around some are hiding some are actually more aggressive and the knight once like you know awoken is the first one that is actively swinging like a giant pillar at you that is like its sword you can't even approach it because it's gonna crush you and figuring that out is wild because it's like keep swinging at you keep swinging at you you're like how the hell am i even supposed to get up this you make it to its leg you realize you can't even really climb you can only climb up so high on its leg but then you know there's like 
the you look around then your environment and there's this like hard like there's this like central like pedestal area that if you get him to swing at you and he hits one of these areas it like i guess like it's like enough shock wave throughout his arm that it like shatters this like armor piece like around his elbow and you have to like run up his sword real quick to then grab onto his elbow um and then from there there's a couple other things you need to do but it's like the complexity of them become even greater. They become even more interesting. Some a little bit more infuriating because there, there's this one, I forget uh, which one it was. It might've been yeah, the one they call Leo or Celosia. It's like literally the size of a lion, uh, maybe a little bit bigger than an actual lion, but it's very small. And like I said, it is very more on the aggressive side and very quick and like i think you're in like kind of like a coliseum-esque area so there's a lot there are some smaller ones that like where it's like you're using the environment that they've created as like a platforming puzzle of like you figure out ways by using the environment to then you know have this advantage where you're able to get your one or two strikes in because realistically most of them i think you stab at their weak points some of them have two to three weak points you stab them each weak point like two to three times and they're dead so it's not like uh it's not like you're having to like combo them or like counter or worry about like you know timing attacks like so much where like you know some other games you know like dark souls or even god of, like god of war where it's a little bit more hack and slash like uh combos you know multiple health bars and such it's still even straightforward with that of most of them once you find out where to stab them, once you stab them there, then it's kind of, that's it. I want to talk about the the world and the characters a little bit, delve back more into that, more into the lore a little bit. I, I feel, I feel like I mean, it's kind of truly what makes uh, it, you know, we that can all agree special on. magic, we, or special magic slash art we keep talking about, because the, the way that it just all blends together is pretty cool. Or like how Alex keeps saying the simplicity of it also makes it complex. I think that that's one of my biggest problems is that I don't, judging the game on its own i i feel like you don't get the full picture as you would from playing the other two games is that true um, i don't i don't know if i necessarily agree with that i don't because the the connections are so subtle i say i say yes and yes and yes and no i would say like as far as like so the the team that made this team i always mess it up as whether it's supposed to be ico or eco i guess it can be pronounced either way but team eco uh, their first game was this game called Eco or Ico, just I C O. Also on the PS2, but like a little, like definitely earlier on than Shadow of the Colossus. And it was a game that kind of came under the radar, and it, it didn't sell as well um, until until much later, much later after the game actually being out, uh, did people really start to appreciate it for what it is. And then actually even more so once Shadow of the Colossus came out. So once I beat Shadow of the Colossus and was a little confused by the ending, I was like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? Like, what's going on here? And after looking it up, I then found out, I was like, oh, this is technically a prequel game to this game called Ico. And I was like, wow, I need to play this game. And it was a little harder to get your hands on a copy because it had become more popular after not selling so well. So it was like, you know, it wasn't like your local game store had a bunch of copies or even one copy at that. Even by the time, like, the 360 was out and, like, PS3 was out, 
you know, this game was still fetching for like 40 or 50 bucks, you know, if you could find a copy of it, uh, even though it being an earlier PS2 game. But I would like, uh, I agree with it being, it, it definitely is a prequel uh, to Ico. There's also another game called The Last Guardian that took them way too long to come out for people to then maintain. Yeah. Uh, it just like lost a lot of interest in it because of how long it took to come out. But I was a big fan as well. Uh, but I will agree with Alex at least with that game as far as like it, there's just there's similarities in world like the aesthetic overall aesthetic is more so what matches with that game where it doesn't have direct ties uh, except for one element I think. But even still. Like I said, it, if you do play the other games or play all three, it even just kind of enhances this, like, I don't know, overall feeling of this, like, world that is happening. So I guess I'll uh, let you explain, Alex, uh, a little bit of, like, what that world slash lore is. All right, I'll start with Shadow of the Colossus, right? So we talked about we got 16 Colossus to kill. Boom. Resurrect our dead girlfriend. Easy, plain, and simple. There's this entity, Dorman, uh, Caleb's mentioned him a couple of times, a hole in the ceiling, both masculine, feminine voices, very ambiguous as to what he is. I want to draw parallels here before I even start talking about it, because it'll make more sense as I go. Dorman backwards is Nimrod. Biblical King Nimrod has to do with being hacked into pieces well, and he also away. built a, uh, a tower to try and reach the heavens. Which is also kind of similar. Correct, yeah. and you'll find that Dorman's yeah, the temple, in a temple is rather, rather tall and almost like eerily similar to that of the the, the illustrations you'll find of uh, I forget what, what was the Tower of Babel or I, something I like have that. No idea. I'm, I believe. Oh, was it Babel? I'm bad with my biblical stories, but it could definitely be the Tower of Babel. Yeah, it's like the Tower of Babel or something. Um, but yeah, it strikes an eerie, like an eerie resemblance to it, and it leads to the Garden, which is something that I'll get into later. But so, so we have Dorman, who has comparisons to Nimrod, etc., and so forth. Uh, as you kill these Colossus, Wander starts to develop weird, dark features. Um, Kind of gets this aura around him and starts to maybe look a little not so human anymore in not, certain ways. Not okay. More so like the the main character of like a My Chemical Romance video. <laughs> so the ending of the game, super, super weird, uh, especially if you hadn't played Ico before. But uh, you end up killing all the Colossus. You come back to the temple and you've sprouted horns there's this this weird curse like uh feeling to it i don't know caleb you can probably explain the ending better i've only seen it once or twice i have seen it um, many times many times many times if i seen um, this ending <laughs> so you can go ahead so, and, and plug that ending. um so yeah what's so what's wild about the ending of this game and at this point like I yeah, I don't care about spoiling it. It's an old game and you should have played it by now. And even knowing the ending, honestly, even knowing the ending kind of makes it okay to play through it. So like I mentioned before, you weren't like nobody was supposed to be on this land. And that was specifically because this entity Dorman 
so that way he had nobody to talk to to trick into doing his bidding that these village elders you know that tried to stop you from going here in the first place and as you reach the ending of the game you find out that they are now traveling to the forbidden lands after you they found out what you did they're trying to stop you before you do this you find out that they were the ones that they had originally Dorman was this great you know evil being of like that was in control of everything shadow and light and uh they had defeated him sealing him or sealing his essence into these vessels called colossus and that was their sole purpose essentially each of these colossus's sole purpose is to hold a piece of dormin which is like both shadow and darkness in one and so like alex said before when you kill one uh a shadow engulfs the entire colossus all these like dark tendrils almost like you know hp lovecraft style like uh, and you no matter how fast you run or go away they find you and they essentially like impale him a bunch of black blood comes spewing out of your mouth it's kind of crazy looking he blacks out you then get this like weird trippy aura looking like spiral kind of scene and during these scenes are the only time you ever hear the voice of Mono. Mono is the dead girl that you've placed on this pedestal in the altar. Each time this happens, if you pay attention, I mean, it's you can't really tell like after the third or fourth one. I think it's a little later on. But every single time you kill a Colossus and every time you get impaled by these shadows and black out, you notice his Wander's skin gets paler and paler. His veins get darker and darker and creep up his neck and onto his face. And he then starts to sprout little horns on the side of his head. You know, you, and at that point, you kind of feel you, you kind of already are under the impression that uh, what you're doing uh, probably isn't going to end well. Dorman did say he chose his words very carefully when uh, talking to Wander about what he has to do to bring his, you know, lady back to life. He said, like, I forget what it was. He was like, the cost of this is great. And that there's no way of, like, reversing it. And, you know, it's only still just a possibility of bringing her back. Uh, essentially, he was tricking Wander into becoming his new vessel. So by slaying the last one, you then actually see... And this is what's kind of cool, too. This is where, like, all these little teeny tiny tidbits add to the rest of the game... The very last one you kill is the only time that you see uh, what happens to Wander after he kills a Colossus. The, the tendrils come off the Colossal and, you know, impale him again. But instead of blacking out right away, it actually shows you a couple seconds of what happens to him. His body starts to, like, levitate and just slowly float towards the temple that Dorman's in. So then, if you just go back, that kind of almost adds, like, an eerie thought to think that each time you've killed each of these colossus his body has like unconsciously levitated all the way back to the temple and then he just wakes up there um so the last one he wakes up what's uh mono is still you know dead he realizes that uh he is now uh, so engulfed in this like i guess like shadow power you know that's like overcome him from killing each of the you know essentially pieces of Dorman. and uh as he is now becoming you know he's like kind of transforming into like this demon figure all those vill village elders that i mentioned before they come bursting in they're like oh my god we were too late he's it's already begun they try killing him while he's still like in a human form i think they shoot him with like a couple arrows 
um, but it's not enough. He then shapes into essentially the size of a colossus, but it's just like a shadowy figure. This is what Dorman, you know, Dorman's being. And it's kind of crazy because you actually are then playing as the giant shadow Dorman and you have to attack like the village elders. But in doing so, after he shapeshift, he did drop his like sword of light. It goes flying or something. And you attack the village elders and they realize it's too late. They need to like seal him away again and, you know, make sure nobody else can come back here. And really the only, the last ditch effort is by throwing the village elder. I think, what was his name? Iman? Yep. Right. Yeah, Iman. He makes it to the top of the staircase where at the bottom is this, like, water portal, I guess. He throws the... After, like, shouting some enchantment, he throws the blade of light down into the pool, which opens up a portal, and it essentially sucks all of the shadow beings. Um, I guess every time you wake up, too, there's these, like, creepy shadowy figures that are surrounding you. But essentially, all these, like, shadow-like figures and spirits, they all start getting sucked into the portal. So does Dorman leaving wander still as like a shadow being but more in his like human state and you're still playing as him and it's just like it's very emotional in a way because it's like even though you're still controlling it there's no way you you eventually get sucked into this portal you can keep trying uh i think if you like last for like a minute or so you might get like a special achievement on uh i think ps4 or something but you get sucked into it and the village elders flee and the bridge connecting the forbidden land explodes and crumbles. There's no way back to this place. And all this like pretty music starts playing. It pans up and then all of a sudden Mono awakens from being dead. Your horse is there after a very traumatic scene happens where you actually think your horse, uh, if something happens to him, I won't spoil that. And nothing is said, literally no dialogue. She has just, she awakens, walks towards the pool where Wander got sucked into and there's no more water and in the center is just an infant baby with a pair of horns growing out of its head and she picks up the baby boy and just walks uh essentially makes her way to the garden at the top of the temple tower and the last bit of dialogue is essentially the elder after looking back at the crumbled bridge um, saying that if if somehow if Wander is still alive, that he hopes he is able to live out the rest of his days and atone for atone for the sins that he's committed, essentially. And that also being is that through context clues in the beginning, uh, Mono uh, she was dead because she was sacrificed by the village elders to prevent a terrible fate, I guess, from happening to the world. And this is where a lot of speculation comes into play as to whether did they actually seal that fate or like you know actually fulfill this fate to happen by murdering her and then wander bringing her there and bring her back to life or you know is it like at a different thing entirely and then that's where it begins as like the prequel to shadow of the Colossus, or not shadow of the Colossus to ico damn i just talked for like an hour that's a lot correct <laughs> yeah um <laughs> No, but that's I mean, that's a very good summary. But that's what, that. so that's what I'm saying is like, dude, that last bit, that last, like the ending, it just like gives you so much to like think about and look, and it's like you're playing it though, like you're experiencing it. It's not like you're just watching the cutscene; like you're having to play as now this like possessed demonic character that you know is about to just die, and you can't do anything about it, and it, you let it happen, and it's mm -hmm. like 
it's pretty wild. It really make it, it makes you look back at the entire game. Not only that, but as you mentioned before, with Eco and it being uh, a direct sequel, has confirmed the biggest parallels. You mentioned the Shadow People, Eco, the main kind of adversary or the Shadow folk that are skirting and fighting and avoiding the whole entire game. And you'll notice the main character has a set of horns, and he's kind of demonized part of the, the story, which it's been a long, long time since I played Eco, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the story is the fact that has a horned child, you're shunned, you're basically uh, thought of as a cursed being, and no one in the village wanted you, so you got sent off here. Yeah, essentially um, like sacrificial style against child's will you're a horned child you're banished so something happened between shadow of the colossus where you know horned baby up into the garden into eco where horned child now becomes public enemy number one and gets sent off there's connections to to last guardian too um, yeah like i said you can look up you can look all that up too like last guardian yeah. i could also talk for like an entire episode of the game itself but it's more aesthetically with the same kind of almost style of gameplay where it's minimalist you're a young boy that befriends a big beast but ico itself i mean but yeah what's cool is that like even if you can't get your hands on ico which is it's just a little more in inaccessible unless you have i think playstation now or ps3 I know they have that port of it. Uh, what's cool is that there's actually people that went on YouTube and you can kind of like just, I think there's a total of like four cutscenes to the game. And then like they mm -hmm. add that together with a lot of like certain key gameplay elements. And it just gives you that whole story of what happens in, in Ico, which is very uh, eco Ico, which is very like straightforward again. Like, but the way it starts off is you're a horn boy and you're sent off to be killed at a temple and you escape and there's this evil queen that is in rule over this castle that you're sent to be killed at and she strikes a very very eerie similarity to uh mono who was resurrected by an evil spirit so that that's where there's this is where it's like it is a direct sequel and this now chain of events of where like every every so many years a child with horns is born but then it's a little bit more just speculation that like possibly mono being resurrected by dorman at the very end by the means of like evil spirits that uh she then herself becomes an evil being and that she may be the one who turns into the queen in aiko uh who has lived for many many years and in order to keep herself from slipping completely into this like shadow void she's feeding off the light source or light energy of these children uh that have horns that like possess this you know this like light essence it's all very cool and like i said if you can play them like i said they it it's different it's even different just to watch them it's really like it's just an overall experience but even if you can just watch a few cutscenes from it it really gives you the overall you know aesthetic of what it goes for and um i just feel as a whole with both games and even all three games it is just chef kiss <laughs> mama mia um i want to i want to hit on one more thing and actually it's i'm putting you on the spot ethan 
Uh, you've mentioned me. it before uh, when we were talking. There are games that are very, very influenced by Shadow of the Colossus, by what the game did. Uh, open world games kind of sprung forward, maybe not necessarily from that point, but you can definitely look at it as one of the early uh, forms of open world games. You, being a big Zelda fan, obviously love Breath of the Wild. Why did you bring up Breath of the Wild as a comparison, and what do you think the prevailing force behind your observation was? So let me just kind of start off that once I started Shadow of the Colossus, and before I even fought the first Colossus, I just kind of went around and explored the world itself. And I kid you not, I ran up to a mountain and just tried to climb it immediately, like you would in Breath of the Wild, until I realized that, oh, that's not something you can do here. And I just kept thinking like, damn, this would be so awesome if I could just like literally climb and pretty much go wherever I want. And I, you know, I just couldn't help but think that like this game had to have been a one of the first to kind of have like a like a world like this that you can explore and go about. And I think that kind of that breath of at least the way that I see it, the breath of the wild probably took a lot of what this game created and made it so that you could kind of go about it and climb anything. Also, the the divine beasts. The divine beast. <laughs> That's very Didn't fair. even think about that. All I could kept thinking is that if they ever did like an actual sequel to this game, how they could make it in a way that their world is so much more explorable and there's so much more stuff to see and you can climb and kind of go anywhere like you can in Breath of the Wild or even like Horizon Zero Dawn's very much like that. And there's a couple of other like open world games in that style. I'm curious to see what you guys think about where the games could kind of go from there. So... I mean, as far, as far as I'm aware, there's there's nothing more. I'm pretty sure my man's left Sony. He uh, he was contracted out for Last Guardian, but he wasn't even with the company anymore. Um, I don't I don't think there's anything more. I don't think you're ever gonna see a direct sequel. It, it's kind of the end. It's the end of that. It's like I said, the la Last Guardian. He, he told yeah, his the story. Last Guardian was supposed to be like on PS3. And I didn't, I never even had one. And when I heard that they was coming out with a new game and that it was gonna be on PS3, I was like, I might actually get a PS3 for it. Uh, but it had gotten canceled. And then there was like rumors it got brought. It was in production again. Then got canceled again. Then PS4 came out and they're like, Hey, we're gonna make it again. Gets canceled again. And then like almost, I feel like out of nowhere, they're like, Hey, we're act we're gonna we made it so far into the development of this game we have to finish it and they finished it and released it and by that time i felt unless you were like uh somebody like me and are like a cult following of anything eco or shadow of the colossus you just had to play this game i feel like from there on like uh, if you were to make another game for like you know current current gen you know ps5 i just don't know because like I said, because even at the time of each of those games that came out, he specifically was going with a minimalist approach. There were all these other games that like, oh, you have a variety of weapons and magic and HUDs and screens and dialogue and character development and stuff where he's like, he was specifically going against the grain by just being like, I know we can do all of that. Like, why, why can we just like, why make a game that is just like, okay in every aspect when it can just be great in a few key areas that matter like the most and i feel like to make another one now uh, i don't know if it i don't know if it would hit the same it would hit the same for me but 
I just don't think it would be anywhere near popular. Because, like I said, I, like it's a very, it's very artistic. Yeah, because like decision. his first game wasn't was never popular until the second one came out, and then the first one became even more popular, which is like pretty weird to think of. And that like it didn't even get paid much attention until it had gotten the HD remaster along with Shadow of the Colossus for PS3, and that right. was even a lot of people's like first time even hearing or playing of that one. But I mean. Really, there's only one thing left to figure out is... Uh, is this game Turok? Yeah, Ethan. Is Ooh. it Turok? I, I can't say it's Turok, unfortunately. Alright, let's go. Let's, let's yeah, rack up the list. But, what, but, I mean, it's kind of... It, it's not Turok. It is not the game Turok, but like... what? Let's, uh, can, let's go over the, the, the rating scale again. Do we have a... Correct. So we've got five questions that we rate to every game to come up with a score. Caleb, do you have those questions? So does this game have... The, yeah, I mean, we already answered the first question of is the game Turok, and it's, you know, it's not. It's not. So I guess, you know, we don't get that so, point there. Zero out of one. But, I mean, it's no got, point you know, there. we could give it potentially four more points. And, like, the second follow-up, like... Do it, do it got dinosaurs? Kinda? Alright, I mean, since Ethan is the opposite, since Ethan, Ethan is the, the least uh, gameplay of this, so what do you, uh, would you consider this game having dinosaurs? I, I would say no. I mean, even if there is like a dinosaur one later in the game that's kind of, that resembles a dinosaur, those, those glasses are not dinosaurs. Damn. I'm sorry. I feel like I broke your I'll heart. Give it right, a I'll give it a half. I'll give it a half. I guess a half point for now. All right. Half point. I'll Does it have point? <laughs> Does it have guns or bow and arrow? It does got that bow and arrow. It does have bow and arrow. Got that yeah, bow. and then some. There are some colossus at the end that shoot quite literal like laser beams at you. Uh, I mean, it's not a gun, but yeah, dude, it's got it. That gets the point. Does it give you the thrill of the hunt? I think that's, like, the main thing it gives well, you. Well, dude, I would give it, like, an, an absolute crikey for that one. Like, crikey. That's the game. Yeah, it gives you hunt. Um, And is it a life-changing experience? To me? Yes. If you like, if you like story-driven games that kind of don't hold your hand, I think it's absolutely... I think it's very artistic in its own right, and I think that given the right person like if you want something where you know there's a ton of npcs and you have all this this full and enriching world whereas you know this is a, a very minimalistic yeah. as we've kept saying over and over again story experience i think yeah. it is and i think at this yeah. at this point even the second episode in uh you you might come to find uh that each of these games that we talk about that at least one of us is going to feel that way and that's kind of the whole reasoning behind this is, you know, more so just talking about games we're passionate about that we have been, you know, feel a special type of way for uh, maybe not all of us on the same level, but even respectively. But I feel like one of us is always going to give that a point. One thing I like, even though I did not play it till the PS4 remake came out, uh, I definitely knew about the game and had it like ingrained in my mind because of how different and how off the grain it is of a of an experience so i'll, I'll give it life-changing for that even though it give me a life-changing experience uh i think that is definitely respectable in what it does yeah you can recognize something as influential and and uh, a good experience even if it's not yeah. for you i mean just look at all the reviews and look at all the people 
who who discuss this game in full and go on hour long YouTube dissertations. There's all there's also like some maniac that I only found out just by doing some refresher like research last night. There's some maniac that is like as of like 2021 still updating like wiki sources on like secrets that he keeps finding in the game which is just like that's it's, amazing it's insane <laughs> slash like i get i guess some people have had uh had some extra time over the last year or so to to further develop <laughs> uh some investigation but yes that leaves us at uh three or a 3.5 depending i mean the dinosaur thing is up for debate so I mean, yeah, I guess it would round down to the three out of five on the Turok rating system. Um, three which out really of any five. Point on the Turok rating system means that it's uh, you know a must play. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, check it out. And um, this was another episode of a gaming podcast that you're listened to. Yeah, that's Caleb. I'm Alex. This man's Ethan. And together we form. The Turquoise Game Boys. The Turquoise Game Boys.